Hello, my name is Paul Cornelis, and welcome to the first episode of Harkins Builders' new podcast, Conversations in Construction. For those of you who don't know, Harkins Builders is an employee-owned general contractor specializing in commercial, government, and multifamily projects. Harkins services the Mid-Atlantic region with three locations and has over 55 years of construction experience. At Harkins, we share our successes and our failures because we learn, grow, and become closer to one another by telling our stories and lessons learned. With me today, I have one of Harkins' lead superintendents out of the Northeast region, Bill Janes. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. That's good. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us today on our first ever podcast. For everybody else listening, let's just give a little bit of background on you. I mentioned you are a lead superintendent out of our Northeast region. I know about you, but not too many other people do. Born and raised in the Philadelphia area. Always been in the construction industry. Growing up as a child was really into this old house. Followed my grandfather through the industry. As I got older, started working with family, doing some home remodeling and stuff like that for high school. In college, I went to Williamson Trade School to pursue carpentry. Out of college, I went to a home builder, worked there for a couple of years, and decided to start my own business at that time. And had a couple of year run at, at my own business of small general contracting. I decided I wanted to get back into the, to the big scene of management and uh, landed here at Harkins in 2011. So you've been with Harkins, what is it, 2020? So nine years? Almost nine years, yeah. October will be nine years. And you've been out in the field the entire time? Yeah, I started here as a uh, superintendent uh, on one of our military projects in Delaware and have bounced around. And in, I think, 2017, I was promoted to lead superintendent to run a project in Ardmore. And at Williamson, you said you were carpentry? Carpentry major, graduated with an associate's degree in construction technology. Awesome. So today we have invited you in to talk about one of our projects, which you were the site manager on, which was One Ardmore Place in uh, Lower Marion Township. And specifically, we wanted to talk about the floor drains in the structure parking part of the project. For the people who don't know, One Ardmore is a pretty dynamic project, would you agree? Agreed, yeah. Right in the kind of heart of Ardmore. It was an old surface parking lot right on Cricket Avenue, kind of right across Lancaster from the train station. And the project was developed by Carl Dranoff in conjunction with the township. Yep. And it took a number of years for them to really yeah, kind Carl of develop said it was that. Nine years from inception to actually breaking ground. That's amazing. And I know, I know when they initially went in, um, there was multiple sites within the township that yeah. Carl actually was able to get approved. Yeah, they were originally going to do it on top of the train station, but had issues with residences and, and the train station being so close and constructability issues for a building that high. Eight stories above ground, two stories underground. The bottom three above ground are parking. So there's five total stories of parking. It's technically two and a half under, two and a half above. Then there's five stories of apartments on top of the back half. Uh, in the front half, there's a, a high ceiling retail area with three stories of apartments on top of that. And then there's an exposed or open courtyard that 
is in the center of the building because the building's a U-shape that allows that courtyard to have an open side and, and some ability to look out over the trees and, and towards the south. How long were you out there building that? Uh, we were on site for almost two years of pre-construction on the job, cleaning up plans, trying to fix some details, value engineering the project to help make the numbers work so that the project was affordable and profitable. And then we spent two years building it. And you were involved from day one? Almost day one that the project came to Harkins. I wouldn't say day one from the project. It came to Harkins very preliminarily, maybe a year before I got involved, and then it went away, and then it came back again. And when it came back seriously, I was involved in day one. I wouldn't call it a typical project. No. no. Tight <laughs> so, site, difficult township from a neighbor perspective. There was a lot of disputes and lawsuits that surrounded the project that had a pretty negative stigma to it. The township authorities and officials were all super cooperative and helpful and part of the project, part of the team, obviously because it was a public-private partnership between Dranoff and the township to build a municipal garage that housed apartments over top of it. And who were the consultants? Who was the architect? Who were the other players involved? So the civil was Bowler Engineering. The architect was Cope Linder, who's now known as Nelson, I believe. The structural was Adano Nacarado, and the mechanical engineers were Alderson. Some familiar names in there, but also probably some new names for us. We had worked with, I believe, Bowler prior and... I think we had a little bit of experience with ONN. It was our first experience with Copelander and, and Alderson, as far as I know. And I think we developed a pretty good relationship with them. So again, the building itself, pretty complicated. Yeah, multiple structure types, extremely tight site, a lot to coordinate and, and mesh together in, in such a small area. Seeing it from the outside, I wasn't directly involved with it, but I know it was a big deal for the township. It was a big deal for Harkins, and it was a big deal for all the other players involved, Dranoff, Nelson, and everyone else. And I'm glad it turned out as well as it did. So getting into the meat and potatoes of, of our discussion today, we wanted to further describe some of the issues that were encountered with the floor drains specifically. As I understand it, it was really just related to the structure parking as opposed to the rest of the building. There's floor drains everywhere in every building yeah. that we build, but I think this had to directly result to the structured parking aspect. Of it. Yeah, the structured parking and the fact that it has open air walls. So there's the ability for driven rain, snow on cars, rain on cars, whatever gets into the building, whether it be wind driven or on the cars, there's water that gets into the garage and has to get to those drains. A brief background of what the issue was. Was there were some floor drain locations in this parking garage that took whatever water got to them, but there was also some other pretty major low spots in the flat portions of the parking garage that held substantial amounts of water and substantial is probably a 20 foot around puddle that was an inch or so deep in the center. And having been through a floor drain situation, one of the first questions we always ask when we get on the job is, do you want us to dish around the floor drains, which is where you set them an inch lower than the rest of the concrete and swoop the concrete down into it so that whatever water gets to it can drain into it. And then we also ask exact locations because floor drains are typically shown on plumbing drawings, which don't have dimensions. And they don't really think about what's going to happen with the structure as you pour it, as things settle, as you get deflection. I know you mentioned about lightening up the building. The garage was never lightened up? The slabs themselves were not. Okay. Um, the main thing was the column sizes were reduced a little bit and some of the footings in turn shrunk because you didn't have as much point load coming down on top of them. 
but nothing changed as far as ultimately in that structural reevaluation, nothing changed as far as any of the plumbing or anything like that, that would kind of cause other issues to surface. No, I think there was an, an early on design that had the garage in a different layout where you had a, one side of the garage was specifically flat and then the other side was a really steep ramp to go floor to floor, but that was never brought to full design where plumbing was involved and all that other stuff. They were just basically sketches. And you guys didn't use any BIM or anything like that? Harkins did not. I know that the structural engineer and the architect had the building 3D modeled. We've since gotten a hold of that and used it for some 4D schedule and some other representations of the building. But during the construction process, no, there, there was no BIM. So getting back to the sloping towards the drains, I would envision that that's probably a good thing to slope towards the drains, or is that always not the case. Yeah, I mean, we would recommend lowering the grate of the drain half an inch below the top of slab because it gives you the ability just to roll a little bit of the concrete down so that you don't get a lip and water standing around the drain. And then yeah. people are looking at it going, there's a drain right there. Why is all the water right. sitting right outside of it? And it's particularly because you can't do that. Also, when you pour concrete, you can screed it off to the top of the drain yeah. and then it's going to settle some of it. And that drain is fixed to the formwork and to the piping. So that drain doesn't move. And then as the concrete cures and settles and dries out, it drops a little bit. So it's, it's going to end up below the top of the drain. Some of the drains are adjustable as well. Yeah, but you're going to set it to a fixed position before you pour. Gotcha. Once, once you pour, there's no, there's no going back and moving the drains. So you want to make sure they're right, right out of the gate. The issue with the drains was that there was ponding water, right, in the garage. And that ponding water was a result of the drains were set at certain heights. We kind of asked that question, but then what caused that water? Was it the slope? Yeah, so it was it was a twofold issue. The, the drains were not lowered to promote water flowing to them and also the location of them. They weren't in the low point of the slab. So once you pour a, a structural concrete deck, it's shored. It's perfectly flat. And then when you remove that shoring, you have some deflection in concrete. Typically at the low point of that deflection is where your water is going to go, right? Water finds its own level, but water found its own level, but unfortunately there was no drain. So it just hung out and started to create ice. And that was during construction even. So there was no cars or anything like that. It was just wind-driven rain it was enough to create puddles and some ice patches and something we thought was going to be pretty dangerous to people using this as a public garage. And that deflection that you get after you take that shoring away, that's what, a half inch? It all depends on the span between columns, the structural design of the slab. Sometimes engineers will design camber into the slab so that you essentially crown your formwork yeah. so that once you remove the shoring and the forms, the slab settles and it's almost flat, maybe a little bit of deflection or maybe it's still a little bit of crown because that typically happens on larger spans. There was not many I think there was one location on each level that had some camber in it during form work. Gotcha. And those locations still dropped enough to create ponding at low points where drains weren't located. Do you have an idea of the amount of deflection that we saw? Was it half inch? I would say in the most drastic spot, it was almost an inch and a half in the largest free-spanning area. It's totally expected. That's pretty interesting. Now, is there certain elements of the concrete where we could potentially use a lighter weight concrete or you're still going to have that deflection? Yeah, you're going to have deflection either way. Lighter weight concrete, you typically don't get the structural value out of that you need for cast-in-place parking decks. I mean, these, these decks were 
12 inches thick cast in place concrete. It's pretty heavy duty and it's rated to carry vehicles. And I don't know how much changing concrete or making it lighter would do. Believe it or not, making it heavier might have made it stay a little better and deflect less in the method of adding rebar. You know what I mean? If you, yeah, yeah, if you were to put yeah. some additional rebar in there and possibly leave the cure time a little longer and leave the shoring in place a little longer. If you added rebar, you might have reduced a little bit of the deflection, but there's other ways to avoid the situation. And I'm just trying to think, do a fair amount of parking structures too. And those parking structures are often, when they're standalone, or even if they're wraps, they're often precast. So in those precast environments, you don't have any of that deflection, but also too, you can't really work with the big precast slab. So I wonder how those drains are affected in that or how could precast have solved or have helped? I think it's a different animal, uh, precast, because you're designed and poured in a plant where your slabs and your pieces are fully engineered and they calculate camber and they calculate deflection when all the pieces are set and loaded. And the more I think about it, I don't know that I've seen a floor drain in the middle of a piece of precast. It's typically a trench drain that's between two pieces of precast, which is usually the lowest point, right? Because you're piece of concrete has some camber, it balloons up from the edges to the center and all your water's gonna wanna run to the seams in those precast decks. Inherently would make that the spot to put a drain. And those trench drains tend to, I think since the trench drains are bigger, probably compensate a little bit more for some of the abnormalities in that slab. Yeah, they do, definitely do. They take a longer section and they can take sheet flow Whereas you don't have to direct water directly to a drain body, a circular 10 inch round circle or something like that. It, it becomes a four foot or five foot long stretch that just collects all the sheet flow. In hindsight, is it core drilling as opposed to setting the drains now? Like the easy answer to potentially have solved that? I guess what core drilling, the difference that would have made was it would have allowed us to install after the concrete was in its... Final position, unsured, deflected, cured. It's pretty obvious once we're done the project to go out and see where the low point of the puddle is. That when we could have gone out, found the low point of the puddle, poked the hole, put our drain right there. I guess there are other issues in core drilling too. There's a lot of rebar in those structural slabs and core drilling involves cutting a big hole in the center of the concrete. And if you're cutting rebars, it could affect the integrity of the slab. The layout of it once we were adding drains came from the structural engineer gave us some criteria you need to stay out of this area stay out of that area you can drill in this area but you can only hit one bar on the top mat or no bars on the bottom mat so we had that criteria and then we had to have a engineering firm come in and do some scanning of the slab to find the rebar so we had a, an x-ray machine or a penetrating radar machine out and the guy's sliding this machine back and forth and he marks out the rebar on the slab so that then we could go and say all right within this three foot circle of the low point, this is the best spot to, to drop the drain so that we had the least impact. I wonder from a plumber's perspective, I mean, is it the plumber that does the core drilling or do they hire it out? Like if I was a plumbing subcontractor, is it more expensive for me to come out and core drill at the end? Depends on the subcontractor. I mean, it's possible that they have the equipment to do it themselves. Process was the the owner and the end user of the garage, the Lower Marion Township Parking Authority, came out, observed what was going on in the garage, determined, hey, we want to add 
X amount of drains in, in these rough locations that then turned into some sketches from the plumbing engineer and the architect as to how to route the drains and where to connect it into the system so that it didn't affect water flow calculations because now we're adding additional drains to different pipe runs. And then the uh, scanning company had to come out, scan everything. And then the plumber came out after this actually happened so far into the end of the job that the plumber was demobilized. He, he came back to do this work. Really? It was such a convoluted mess in that it could have been so simple from the gate to really take a little bit of time and evaluate where the low point of these slabs were going to be. And realistically, we could have adjusted reinforcing in that area to leave a box of unreinforced concrete where we beefed up around this specific area where we know is roughly going to be the low point. And then after the concrete's poured, we could have went back and, and cored through within that window per se of reinforcing and not had to worry about hitting anything and set a floor drain that would have worked seamlessly right out of the gate. So from that, it sounds as if one of the best ways to possibly attack it would be to don't set the floor drains initially, go th with the core drill mindset, but what you need to do is just coordinate in advance where they are roughly going to end up and make sure that there's nothing within that slab or within that building that's going to conflict where that drain is going to end yeah, up. There's, there's probably two optimal solutions. One being what you just said, core drilling, which would involve some rebar layout and coordination up front. The other, which may be even more beneficial is to do the same thing up front, determine structurally using newer techniques of modeling and calculations and all that to find the low point. And then you go in and, and set the drain during construction. But even though you know this three or four foot circle is going to be your low point, you set your drain in the center of that and then you dish the concrete down to it so that you've essentially created a four foot round drain area instead of just a 12 inch round drain area. So anything that gets within that four foot circle flows to the drain specifically instead of whatever needs to get on top of the drain to actually go in it. Even box it out. That, that's possible too. You could, you could run the reinforcement through, box it out if the structural engineer is going to allow that. The difficulty about boxing it out is, is you end up with a construction joint close to where you're directing all your water. And then you end up with a maintenance issue of trying to caulk that join and make sure that water's not getting through and affecting rebar and creating rust. And then 20 years down the road, this three by three plug of concrete just falls out of the slab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want that. True. Good point. And water finds its way. Absolutely. You know, no matter what, it seems to find good, bad, or indifferent. <laughs> It finds a way through your building. The takeaway, and I guess some of the things that you're doing on your next job as it relates to drains, is that upfront evaluation of making sure those consultants are also in coordination, whether it's the architect, MEP engineer, and the structural guy, on laying out these locations and making sure that they're talking to one another and knowing where that best spot would be and trying to anticipate where those low points are going to be. Next time I encounter this situation or, or a similar situation, I mean, I'm just going to bring them this podcast and play it for them yeah. <laughs> so that they can hear what we lived and what we went through and hopefully gather an understanding as to how we can work together as a team and develop a plan moving forward so that there's no rework or no late added work and no additional cost added to the project. That way it's it's all within the original contract cost and everybody goes home happy. Was one issue of a low, did it piggyback into another one? Because 
I'm assuming all these drains kind of went and they funneled into one another, right? So you had maybe the second floor picking up the first floor, tying in, going down to the storm system and relocating those. Does that cause issue for getting certain pitch and flow and head height and within that garage or anything like that? You know what I'm getting at? Yeah. Most of the drains, um, because they're stacked in the building, had a pretty short run horizontally under the slab to a column where they hit a riser. I don't think that there's much to the effect of slopes creating a headroom issue. And that's really easy to figure out early on. We went through, even with the original location and the way everything was installed, before we ran all the piping and, and put those drains in, we, we did some horizontal slope calculations yeah. to see where pipes were going to create headroom issues and reviewed everything with the to say hey can we reduce our headroom to x and we went through that stuff and hashed it out and came to agreement on what everything was to be co-compliant because i know in doing that every inch matters so certain locations if you have to reroute a drain bring that down a little bit lower that could, could cause an issue a lot of the things we had to figure too wasn't necessarily headroom it was coordination of drain lines horizontal storm lines from those drains and the sprinkler piping. So because you're trying to run this, this mesh of piping in the same plane space below the slab, that's where we had to really focus on one in and of itself wasn't going to create a headroom issue. When you had conflicts between the two is where you would stack and create headroom issues. Well, I appreciate your time and it sounds as if it was definitely a lesson learned and it's something that you're going to keep with you. And, and I know you've communicated what you've learned on this project with a lot of other Harkins team members. So hopefully as we evolve a, as a company, learn from your experience and get that knowledge. So any last words that you want to give to the next gentleman that's going trying to tackle those floor drains? Because right now you're on a project down in Delaware different type of building. We do have floor drains in areas that are going to be high water on the floor, essentially like a kitchen space or a garage bay. So one of my first questions is going to be, do we set the drain bodies flush with top of slab or are we dropping them a little bit? I guess what I would say to the next guy putting floor drains in a parking garage is it looks like a simple component of the project. It's the little things that stem from certain actions that you don't realize how much such a small thing can grow into creating such an issue for the end users. So just think outside the box in that what can go wrong with this? What issues can this create? And then you can think about those things and knock out solutions right from that list right out of the gate and hopefully not have any issues moving forward. Bill, thanks for taking the time of course. to discuss your experiences over at One Ardmore. And also to thank all of you for listening today to Harkins Builder's first episode of Conversations in Construction. Stay tuned for our next episode. We'll continue to dive into the world of construction and hopefully shed some light on some of the frequent issues as builders we encounter and overcome every day. I'm your host, Paul Cornelis. So until next time, be safe, be focused, be willing, and be exceptional. Thanks. Take care.